This week on the Horror Pod class, Tyler mispronounces the spaceship from Alien. Mike solicits tattoo advice, and both of us flicker beans. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 35 of the Horror Podcast. My name is Tyler. By day, I'm a mild-mannered teacher, but by night, I am the backup pilot for the spaceship Nostromus. Thankfully, I am not on the current mission, so I run the Mothra-sized media company Signal Horizon with my buddy Mike, who also happens to be my co-host. Hey, Mike, what's the news? What's the Nostromus? Do you mean Nostromo? Nostromo. I added an S. Why you gotta be a dick oh, about it? Oh, okay. You know, that's the way it goes. That's, well, currently we're hiring Mothra dancers, so please apply. Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, super exciting here. Lots of uh, work, but, you know, super excited to uh, take a couple minutes out of the day and sit down with you and talk uh, American Mary. Yes. All right. All right, yeah. man. So, hey, man, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you interested in this week? So I mentioned uh, the spaceship uh, Nostromo, right? Because the wonderful folks at Fox Home Entertainment sent us a preview copy of the Alien Special 40th Edition, which, uh, oh, dude, it's badass. Uh, So I've spent like all of my extra time this week listening to all of the past audio commentaries. So they have like Ridley Scott, they have Scorny Weaver, they even have... um, Oh, a little bit of the writer on Hmm. who has like a half a dozen really funny anecdotes about H.R. Giger. (laughs) And I I also realize now that I've been mispronouncing his name forever and ever. So I will I will uh, no longer call him Geiger. Hmm. But uh, yeah, dude, it it just dropped um, on Wednesday and we're recording this on Thursday. So lots of great stuff out there. Check it out. It's pretty, pretty bonkers and pretty awesome. Um. They uh, probably the other thing that is, uh, you know, drawing a lot of my attention. I am putting the finishing touches on uh, Sapphira and other betrayals, which is John Langan's new collection. Uh, you can wait for the actual review, but I absolutely love it. I'm predisposed to loving John Langan now, no matter what. Like, I am relatively convinced he could just like type out sections of like the Kansas city, like telephone book. And I'd be like, Oh, the existential dread. And you know, like all of those Smiths is fascinating, you know? And, uh, I, you know, so I, I understand I have a particular screen that I view most of his work through, but I think particularly Sapphira is, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty tremendous. It's, it's pretty darn good. So check that out. That came out yesterday as well. So everyone can get it and buy it and check it out. Well, I read it too. I I thought it was fantastic as well. It is super cool when you connect with an author, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. it's just so it's just so interesting. Like if if you'd never read uh, any of his stuff before, somebody would probably pass it to you and be like, ah, uh, you know, I don't know, and you'd kind of start reading it and get into it or whatever. But when you're really into an author, something new comes out by them, and you're just like immediately locked on, engaged, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're willing to give the author a little bit more freedom to explore some stuff. So that novella is fucking weird as shit. And there are bits of it that are really like borderline pornographic. And if it were anybody else, 
anybody else, I'd be like, yeah, not really my bag. Uh, I don't, you know, like not that I'm a prude or anything. It, it's just so different that I, if I didn't love Langan, I'd be like, wow, this is some shit. But because I do, I'm like, okay, John, if this is where we're going, <laughs> then I guess I'm going with you. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's pretty special. It is, especially the, the, the namesake, uh, novella that's in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, man, I'm reading, um, I just finished up reading Mirrors by Nicole Cushing, The Mirrors, and that's uh, her single author collection. It is really, really good. I got totally hooked on her stuff and have just been reading uh, a lot of Nicole Cushing, and I'm super excited that her next novel is coming out from Word Horde. Later this Ooh, year, yeah, sweet. yeah, and her, uh, and she also has a novella, I believe, that is going to be pr- uh, published by Grimscribe Press. That's the same guys that bring you Vastarian, a literary journal. So, just <laughs> you got it, yeah. It's so just 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 fantastic, fantastic stuff all around. Her stuff, I I, I kind of like uh, a little bit like John Langan in that, uh, you know, like you know, at when you when you first get um, exposed to him. Which is, uh, I think, I think the first thing that I read by Nicole Cushing was in maybe one of the year's best horror collections. Um, it was called The Garden of Hanging Fruit. Oh my gosh, I should have put this in the script. I think it's a Garden of Garden of Hanging Fruit. Anyways, you can always add it. Yeah, I can. Always, I can always go, go back in and cheat and edit it. The Orchard of Hanging Trees by Nicole Cushing first appeared on Pseudopod episode 277 and was later reprinted in The Mirrors, her single author collection. Link in the show notes to the Pseudopod episode. (laughs) Anyways, I mean, I thought it was really good. I thought it was tremendous. Um, But at the beginning, when I first started reading, I was like, ah, what is this? Where am I going to go? By the end, I was kind of hooked in and then kind of start to read more of her stuff and more of her stuff and more of her stuff. And And then finally, I'm just like, I'm just like an addict. I got I got to find more of her stuff. I think I've read everything that she's written so far, except for a um, a chat book that is like unfindable. It's like hmm. hundreds of dollars on the on the on the used market. So I think I think I think I think I've read most of her published stuff at the at this point. Yeah, I, it's it's funny. You seem to be uh, with Cushing like I am with Langan, and I think maybe the the easiest way to compare it is like if you like find a restaurant that you like, right? Like a chef that you love and you go back there over and over and over again and you love the chef's food normally. And then he brings out like, I don't know, it's like this is spiny porcupine and you're going to eat it with green, you know, green uh, jelly that uh, is covered in green fish eggs. Like normally you'd be like, Nah, it's not really my cup of tea, but because you love them so much, you're like, all right, <laughs> you know, like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm eating some green jelly with fish eggs today. I'm, I'm and down then for it. it ta- yeah. Right. And then it tastes amazing. And you're like, all right, this guy's a super freaking genius you know? <laughs> or this gal is in this case. So yeah, I hear you, man. Yeah. I mean, I think, cool. I, I think, I think this happens a lot in, uh, in the small press and it's, it's one, one of the reasons why, why I just, I just love it. I'm, I'm totally, I'm, t- I'm totally hooked on reading small press stuff. Uh, no more, no more books being bought at the, uh, departure lounge at the airport. That's for darn sure. Oh yeah. So, Hey, also, Hey, th- thanks a lot, man, for, uh, buying me a copy of whiskey tales. Um, that's, uh, at the outer dark symposium and, uh, Tyler sent it to me and I just started reading the other day. 
really, really good. It's a uh, single author collection by Jean Ray, translated from French by Scott Nicolet. And uh, there'll be a, a link in the show notes to a little bit more information about it. But uh, Jean Ray is kind of known as, in some circles, as like the Belgian Poe, which I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. You know, I mean, everybody's got to have that, you know, some kind of moniker like that. But uh, it, a, a lot a lot of very weird stuff. Um, he, he uh, a, a couple of his a couple of his uh, uh, stories from this collection were originally included in early issues of Weird Tales, so he's kind of a contemporary with like Lovecraft, um, and uh, just just really good. And it kind of has exposed me to a press I've never heard of before called Wake, Wakefield Press, and they do translations of kind of weird and wonderful, surreal, supernatural, all all kinds of interesting, uh, mainly European. Um, non-English authors. They do translations into English. And uh, it's it's really cool. Cool. Well, you'll have to bring that back next time you visit the States because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm super jazzed about uh, reading it as well. Uh, friend of the podcast, Oren Gray, when we were at the symposium, was like, hey, man, you should totally pick this up. It's really rad. I really like, uh, you know, Sean Ray's stuff. Uh, I think you'll love it. And so I was like, ah, this sounds like a perfect thing to send uh, Mike. <laughs> So I'm glad you're enjoying it. Excellent. That. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to put up a review on Signal Horizon. I think it's, um, I, I hate to say it's a niche book. I hate to say it's not for everybody. But I think that, uh, you know, I, I, always, I always think that with reviews, it's good to highlight, you know, who's going to be interested in it, who's kind of not going to be interested in it. Quite frankly, I don't really like reading like stuff that's like old. Like just, yeah. I mean, that's just like not my jam. But um, I think that this has a lot of like serious, like literary historical value to it, too. And uh, a couple of the stories have just kind of like blown me away by how far ahead of their time they were and or just kind of want like the the literary devices that he uses. It just it's just really cool. So I so I can understand why a lot of people have been really excited about um, a new translation of genre. So I love it. Yeah, cool. Very good. All right, man. On to Dark Corners of the Web. You got it this week. I do. Hey, Phil, give us that lead in. Dark, 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 dark corners, corners of the web. All right. So this week, uh, you'll have to help me with the pronunciation of this word. I've struggled with it uh, since I wrote it down here as a dark corner. Binaural? What is what? What, what, what the hell does that mean? I, I, I believe the word means that it plays in... Uh, both earphones, like the noise is coming from around you. Hmm. Interesting. So, so it is a binaural podcast called Darkest Night. And the premise is, okay, that there are the scientists that are like a little bit in the future, okay? But through taking some of uh, uh, your vitreous, some of the fluid in your My eye, what? vitreous like they have you know the fluid that is in your eye they then can articulate the final moments of your life so they can see what killed you and then like you have this kind of intro like oh my god we we got this body and this body's all fucked up and yada 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 uh but then you get the actual story of how these people died and it is freaking terrifying there are some that I think are, are just, I don't know. They're, they're great. One particular one, uh, is about like a scarecrow 
in like the scarecrow ends up coming alive and and I don't know, obviously killing the focus, oh, you know, the folks sh- there. So shoot, spoilers, bro. Come on now. I mean, they all die though. Like the premise <laughs> of the thing is that they're all dead. So that that episode is episode twenty two, Happy Hollow Farms, Ooh. and it's just it's so good. It's I, like it was a lot of fun. So Happy Hollow Farms. You know, every time I'm back in uh, back in Missouri, kids and I we got to go to Happy Hollow Farms. You know, oh, you don't want anything to do with Happy Hollow Farms. <laughs> it's it's it's, but the descriptions of of the setting and everything, you know, scared the shit out of me, and it was the middle of the day, so you got to check it out. Hmm. Awesome, awesome. All right, buddy, back to the grindstone. Let's get to work. We're talking about yeah. Let's go. We're talking about American Mary this time, mm-hmm. and what is our essential question of this class? <laughs> yes, today's essential question is. Is American Mary making any specific claims about American views of self-expression? Muy interesante. Wee wee. All right, ring that spoiler bell and let's talk us some American Mary. All right. So, all right, man. Uh, essentially, Internet Movie Database gives the very short description of the allure of easy money sends Mary Mason a medical student into the world of underground surgeries, which ends up leaving more marks on her than her so-called freakish clients. Brum, brum, brum. Brum, brum, brum. Okay. So as usual, we're going to do a podcast in three acts. Let's first start with talking generally about the movie. Then we're going to talk about the concept and then we're going to try to apply the concept to the movie. So man, what do you think about this movie? I really liked it. So it was part of Women in Horror Month. The Kansas City Horror Club uh, played it at Screenland Tapcade. It didn't have a ton of people in it, but I went in with really low expectations just because I'd read a little bit. I'd read that it was kind of shocking and it was gory. And, and, and those are not two things that automatically draw me to a movie. So I was maybe expecting something more along the lines of like torture porn or something like that. And I think the movie is a little deeper than all of that. And there are some really interesting uh, concepts and ideas that the movie plays around with. So it was... It was a lot more than I expected it to be. So I think I've elevated how much I appreciate the film because it it is so much more than I think people make it out to be. What about you? I hear you, man. You know, that's that's kind of the the type of fiction that I like to that I like to seek out, which is stuff that people say, oh, you know, it's very transgressive or it's very gory or it's very scary or, you know, whatever. You have some adjectives here. But um, that has a little bit kind of more behind it and kind of a reason, maybe maybe a reason for all of that kind of extra stuff or over-the-top stuff. And uh, I found... I found a lot of really, really good stuff that kind of fits that fits that niche just fine. Um, and I think that uh, movie wise, this is totally one that fit, that fits with that. Um, yeah. Did you find it overly gory? You know, I really, I really didn't. And maybe my tolerance levels a bit higher, but I didn't really find a whole lot of super gory stuff. I don't know. Did you? No, nah, I mean it's got some in it, and like. There's some like fucked up shit to it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, clearly, yeah. like some of the things that uh, people want done to themselves are are meant to be uh, kind of eye popping and grotesque or whatever. But I mean, 
for where this movie could have gone, I didn't think too bad. I mean, the goriest moment of, of this movie, I think, are, is when you, you know, see that Mary has been, you know, keeping her, you know, rapist alive, despite the fact that, you know, like, doesn't have any ears or arms or legs or whatever else is going on. Mm-hmm. And that's shocking. And that's pretty, you know, disturbing. But outside of that, I like the surgery scenes, I think, are I mean, I would probably stop short of calling them tasteful, but I mean, I think they could, they could have been much, much worse. So in any discussion about the film needs to include, uh, the Saska sisters, Mm -hmm. Jen and Sylvia, who were the directors. They also, uh, played the twins in the movie and, and some other stuff. So, uh, they are this kind of fringe directing duo. Their next film looks badass. It's a remake of Cronenberg's rabid. Ooh. And hey. yeah. Right. So like they've got some, they've got some cred and I think it's, it's interesting to watch them direct this film. And at least to me, this film I think has a distinct feminine quality about it. I yeah oh yeah I I believe that too I think I don't I don't think it's without um kind of I guess kind of blemishes or kind of problems I I don't know if maybe uh, do you think that did they write the script too Yeah I believe they did so uh, yeah, yeah pretty creative Yeah I th- I mean I think so I think that there's probably I don't I think that there were some mm, kind of like plot threads that were maybe. Uh, Maybe kind of like not, I don't want to say not wrapped up, but it just kind of seemed like they were like kind of put out there and then not followed up on. Um, and I don't, there was some, I don't, there were some other things. There were some other like little minor issues I had. Like, for example, um, when somebody dies, like is deleting the contact out of your phone book, is that like really the best way to show the feelings of loss? <laughs> I mean, like, that's pretty permanent. I don't. <laughs> yeah, but you can have like you can have like ten thousand contacts in your phone book. It's not like it's not like Nana died. Got to make room in that in that contacts list, yo. <laughs> All right, this is a tangent, but uh, Nicole's great grandmother, who passed away a few years ago, uh, still sends me requests for like extra games in this uh, slot machine thing. Because her aunt still logs on to her Facebook. And it is a little bit strange, you know? Mm. <laughs> like, it's like, ah, there's this dead, uh, you know, there's this woman that has passed away that <laughs> still wants extra spins or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think, uh, I, I don't think I've deleted anybody out of my phone since 2004. I don't think so. I know how. Anyway. I mean, I think I can figure yeah. it out. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> anyway. So I, I think, I think there were. I don't know the the whole flow of the plot and the like the whole story itself. Mm, you know, I don't know if it's like a hundred percent there. I, good film though, great film. Um, I think I want I want to see more of their stuff. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think and rapid by the stills that we're getting from the set looks looks pretty freaking awesome. Awesome. And conceptually, I think it would be really interesting to be like the mob or the mafioso or, you know, some sort of organized crime element, like their emergency surgeon. Like that'd be some shit. That's kind of, and you would be paid pretty well, I would imagine. So I don't know from like interesting careers. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) 
All right. So it sure beats it beats the hell out of being a podcast, uh, you know, you know, podcast guest or host or whatever. That's so. true. That's true, man. That's true. I mean, this is I do I do surgery on this podcast every time we're done, just to try to get it into some sort of you know fashion where I can put it out and put my name on it. Because I mean, it is it is a total horror show, horror show when we're done recording, right? And I just gotta chop it up and put it back together again anyways so why do you think they call it american mary well i think there is some interesting stuff and maybe we'll we'll get more to it in the application but the saska sisters are canadian Mm -hmm. so i think there is some interesting commentary they are making about uh maybe Hollywood and you know clearly body image is important to all of this but I also think that the idea that self-expression is so intrinsic to what it is to be American in the counterculture because like there is this dual personality that Americans have where they both want to fit in because we have these puritanical roots where you know you you can't get outside the mainstream but we have really adopted a counterculture that tries to like outdo one another to see who's, you know, totally to the extreme. Yeah. And I think that's what American Mary is kind of highlighting. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I think I maybe, um, although I didn't, I don't think they highlighted this a whole lot. Uh, the idea that she is uh, the daughter of, I, I guess, immigrants, right? I mean, we get we get the idea that Nana came from the old country, and that um, that Mary's maybe maybe the, the the first ones to go to college or something like that, kind of fit in into like the white collar medical world of the United States, like that like that kind of thing. I also kind of think that there is at least superficially some re- some. Um, some maybe mirroring or some some similarities with uh, a movie that a movie and a book I loved called American Psycho. Yeah, I knew that was going to come up. Yeah, I uh, I I didn't love either one of those things. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, man. Like, uh, but that's Brett Easton Ellis, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Hey, that guy's a fucking cocksucker. <laughs> like he. I mean, he just did this interview like a week I, ago or something that was atrocious. I know. Well, but, his in his latest book has has all sorts of kind of problems with it. But let's <laughs> let's leave the burning wreckage of Brett Easton Ellis behind. And you know, I think I think it's interesting. Like everybody gets everybody's name names wrong in this movie. Okay. Right. Um, there's a lot of importance put on appearance sure yeah oh yeah so, i don't know i don't know i just i just kind of wanted to wanted to, wanted so, to draw oh that. i i think the the casual violence that happens in this film i think reflects american psycho yeah you know there's there, there's the scene where she's um the uh security guard comes in and uh she basically like beats him to death yeah yeah that kind of that reminded me of of, of a very um, Patrick Bateman moment, maybe. Yeah, I, I do think that I I would stop short of saying like they are you know brother sister movies, but I think they definitely share like a lineage. They definitely share 
some of the the, the founding principles. Mm-hmm. And so to to make the argument that American Psycho influenced bits and pieces of American Mary, I don't think that's that far removed at all. All right, you know, awesome. I'm not crazy. That. Okay, that's good stuff, man. Not at all. So uh, before we move on to anything else, we should point out not everyone loved this film. Uh, in fact, The Guardian, <laughs> you know, the stuffy British newspaper out of Manchester, called this freakishly niche and not very good. But IGN said it was awesome. So we'll have links to both of those articles so you can get a good view of, you know, how people felt about the the film itself. But I, I think if you look overall at the reviews, uh, it definitely appeals to a younger audience and maybe an audience that is more um, flexible in their views of what horror can and should be. Hmm. And the stuffier groups, uh, you know, probably not their thing. And you can't get any stuffier than The Guardian, right? I mean, pretty much, right? Like, I I think the audible version of that would just be some guy like, (laughs) American Mary. In conclusion. (laughs) Yeah, right? As they smoke their pipe. They're like, okay, maybe you shouldn't have seen American Mary then, man. All right, so let's get on to the theory. Um, in general, I think that this is kind of um, it's it's kind of the tale of two movies, almost. I, I think that this is there is a, a definite revenge movie going on here, um, and there's also on the other side this movie that is more about self expression and body modification. Yeah. Does that all right? Does that does that does that make sense? Yeah, so unpack both of those concepts for us for a moment. What do you mean by revenge film? So I think that the, well, I mean, I think it's a, I think that I think that the, a lot, a lot of what drives the plot along is is her desire for revenge, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and and I think, I I think probably the the genre label that it's often given is rape revenge because we have to see the violation first, and it and it typically. In older films like I Spit on Your Grave and, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, the rape is often gratuitous and it's got a real heavy male gaze to it. And mm-hmm. it's really fucking gross and, and really problematic. And we don't get a ton of that in American Mary. That's why I think it, it is distinctly feminine is we don't dwell on that. We know what happens. We know it's terrible and shitty. And we don't linger on her prone naked body. We don't, you know. We're not intimately involved in that process. And I think that's what elevates it beyond just a traditional rape revenge film. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll totally buy that. I, what, what I'm kind of getting at is that there's this um, it's, it's almost as if the scenes where with her revenge and, and, and a lot of like the, the criminal element type stuff. Those kind of scenes almost seem kind of separate, separate from the other kind of work that she's doing, which is um, all this body modification stuff. And it's yeah. and, 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 and there's two, the, the scenes, they felt to me to be very different, almost like they're uh, like the, like the story was going in two places kind of. Um, and even though that she uses body, body modification kind of in a way to, uh, 
get get her revenge. It's still, and and that and that's kind of why I say that maybe like the script or 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 something. There's just something about this this movie that doesn't I don't know flow together well or make like a tight story. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think. I think you're right that it seems to be serving maybe two masters here, mm-hmm. but I think where it is particularly useful, where the movie I think particularly shines is in how it handles that rape revenge setup. Because uh, the, the first thing that I would cite, there is a fantastic article by Anya Stanley in vague visages called a woman's touch, the Trinity of the body in American Mary. Okay. Mm -hmm. And her ultimate argument is that American Mary examines the female body in three forms as a source of violation, uh, a source of vengeance and ultimately uh, its own tragic downfall. And I think that is really interesting. Because we spend a great deal of time not only dealing with Mary and her kind of reclaiming what was violated, but we also uh, spend a lot of time with Ruby, right? Do you remember Ruby? So do you remember what Ruby asks Mary to do to her? Now, is she the one that wants to be Betty Boop or is she the one that wants to be um, a doll? She wants to be Barbie. Yeah. Mm hmm. So let's let's talk about that for a moment because she essentially wants to remove like her sex, right? Like her her, her you know the the particular parts of her body that give her any kind of uh gender specificity maybe or at least those you know closely attuned to uh sexualization and I found that really fascinating. Yes, and we've so since we've already kind of rung the spoiler bell, we will spoil the ending of this movie, which I think is, which I thought was just fantastic, which is where uh, and, and because I think that when you start talking a lot about body modification, especially especially body mod- modification that's kind of permanent or what some people would kind of consider extreme. Um, we never get to uh, we, we never in this movie uh, kind of talk about um, about the transgender community. But I think that that character is kind of a stand in, particularly when it comes down to the uh, when her boyfriend sees her and oh, yeah. then becomes violent. I think that that is and I think that, that that's a that's a, that's a touchstone, I think, in a lot of. And in a in a big fear in the in the in the trans community that when when someone um, is 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 first exposed to your to your change or maybe a loved one is then they become violent and uh, that's something that has happened you know innumerable times and uh, is 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 something that that, that really happens and I think that it, it, it is maybe uh, kind of maybe a little bit of a stand-in for that does that does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. Right. And, and uh, at one of the modifications that Mary does to her, right, is to uh, like reduce the opening of her vagina. Right. So that it's uh, essentially functionally impossible to, to have sex. And ultimately, 
her boyfriend, right, ends up killing her by using a knife. And that's one of the things that uh, Stanley mentions in the article is like he's unable to penetrate her traditionally. So he penetrates her with, uh, you know, another violent object with another violent tool. And I found that like I didn't even think about that at the time, but that's 100 percent true. Yeah. Right. And if you buy for a moment that sex is one way that a man can uh, use power over a woman, if you take that away from him by removing like the fact that you have a vagina, if you are actually trans or in this case, you know, you've got your body modified, then the violent reaction is to try to reclaim that by taking a knife and fucking, you know, penetrating your body with it. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just a, a, and, and and I thought with a movie that, um, I, I I thought that was a pretty pretty shocking shocking end of the movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But I even with that ending, I felt like he, there's almost a sweetness to it. I don't know. There's a, like it's tragic for sure, but man, it uh, I don't. It, I, it almost felt like a melodrama at the end, and like you had this melodramatic ending. Hmm. I don't know. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit more about body modification in general. So I don't know body, yeah. bo- you know, so body modification is a thing. I've always, uh, um, I, I've I've never I, I've I've, I've <laughs> oh what are you going to reveal here? What, do you, ne- what have I've you always wanted tattoos. done? Like I've never, I don't even cut my hair different. You know, it's uh, so it's really something that's quite 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 different to me um i don't know what like like what do you think are we, are we becoming more uh, open in our culture to body mod- modification where did where do we draw the line i mean what uh what do you think yeah i think that's an interesting theory question here um i would i would say we are we seem to be more accepting of tattooing uh, like I know, I, I I know a shit ton of people that are tattooed now, mm-hmm. uh, way more than maybe twenty years ago. Uh, I would say that the greater audience has not fully embraced direct body modification outside of the stuff that you and I see every day, like ears piercings. Like more, uh, more people are getting their nose pierced, but uh, I have not seen too many split tongues. I have not seen, you know. Too much of that. So, you know, I, I think I, I think that what this movie doesn't kind of do a good job of, and I think that maybe um, because it does it does have a pretty negative view of the whole medical industry in general. Yeah, right? I, I think a general distrust of uh, medicine is pretty present here. Yeah, it's, it's especially maybe surgeons <laughs> too. But the um, you know, you know the the I, I guess. I guess the you know the real interesting thing that I kind of I kind of find here that I think is a problem when you try to bring um in general marginalized groups or just different groups or maybe subgroups into horror is that there's there's a problem and and that and that problem is that you want to bring those groups in because you want to as a creator maybe be um be inclusive or you as a creator you know, think that those those groups are, are interesting and they have something to say. Maybe you're a part of one of those groups. 
But when you do it in horror, it's almost uh, it, it's very difficult to do because by the very nature of horror, you have to make those people kind of be weird, right? And I think that in this movie, we get a lot of like like for example, Beatrice. Yes, Johnson, right? Beatrice Johnson want, is is a total train wreck. Okay, she's a she's a drug addict, right? She's on, she's on, she's on, she's on Coke like the whole time. Okay. Um, and then when you get to the twins, the twins, they want, what want to be closer together. So they remove pieces of like, they remove their arms and so on. This is like, this is body modification gone. These, these, these are like the outliers, right? These, these, these are people that are, that are dangerous. And in fact, in fact, the twins, what is, what is the first thing that the twins do when they walk? One of them makes out with a stripper and then bites her tongue off, right? They're, 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 they're nuts, right? And it's, it's almost like you kind of have to do that because you have to have these, these, kind of larger than life characters and it and it's part of a horror movie but then you know we get this moment in the middle of the movie when they're at the photo shoot and it's like a real like it feels it feels real for the first time in the movie this feels like a real movie or I'm mean, not a real movie it feels real and it feels like these are people that have done sometimes more severe or less severe but nothing that would put their lives in danger um body modification and they feel good and they feel at home in their own bodies. Right. And, and I think, I think that that scene is maybe one of the more important scenes in the movie. Yeah. I, I think the film operates, which with a, a delicate touch that uh, in that it acknowledges that maybe sometimes this body modification uh, can be taken to the extreme, but I appreciate the delicacy that even when we see these extreme uh, instances, I think the film is still being like, but if that's your thing, go do it. (laughs) You know, like if that makes you happy and makes you productive and, you know, makes you whatever, uh, then I don't think the film is really saying not to. And in that context, to go back to our essential question, I think there is a really pro- body argument that this movie is making which is really interesting because it's all about you know having your body surgically altered so i think that oxymoronic tone to it makes the movie super interesting i don't know does that make sense it does it is it's it's a hard uh line to walk in fiction and in in horror in particular because um it's just a really hard line, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think that any of us would say like, like the 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 twins, and uh, and I think that they're just just listed in the credits as yeah, twin number yeah. one and twin number two, but but I don't think either. I, I don't think anyone out there would be like, oh well, yeah, you know, if they want to have um, you know a voluntary um, uh, amputation, like I don't think there's a doctor out there to be like, yeah, you know, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's. Reattach an arm and you know yada yada yada. I think that there's, I think that in general, all the body modification that we see in the uh, in the the photo shoot scene, um, that's all. You know, I, I don't think I don't see any. I don't think there's any risks in any of that kind of yeah. stuff, right? Um, 
And, and I think I think that they're very positive. That I think that maybe that was a scene to kind of, um, you know, to to throw out there and say like, you know, uh, we're we're here in your kind of in your space in your body modification kind of space. Um, the 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 characters that we're showing that are pursuing this kind of stuff are maybe not what we would call good people, right? And they're not, uh, they're, they're probably acting in a, in a dangerous manner, but there's a whole lot of other people that are, um, they, they use it for, for, you know, good ends and that, that use it to express themselves in a, in a non-destructive way. And that's good. Yeah. Um, I, and I, and I think the movie really shines when it blurs that line, right? Like, I remember towards the end of the film, there was this guy that's like, I want to get something done. And she's like, all right, look through my book. And he's like, I think I want to get my eyebrow pierced. (laughs) And she's like, all right, you're a fucking poser or whatever. And like gives him all kinds of grief about it. And I think that is exactly what you were talking about in that it, it really shines a light on how this form of self-expression can be, uh, interesting and meaningful and purposeful, but the dude that just wants his eyebrow pierced just wants it to look cool, right? And it doesn't necessarily have a greater purpose, so he's to blame there, and Mary's to blame as well because she just wants to do like radical, crazy shit for the sake of it being radical and crazy. That body modification can be a useful, wonderful tool for people that have a specific purpose and calling for that body modification if that makes sense yeah it does and, and and i think in in real life i think what we we've come up with as a society and the medical profession kind of has 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 come up with too is that there are certain small risks that you know we're willing to take to kind of get you there and then other ones that were probably not and and that 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 medical professionals would not recommend that you go forward with but hey you know i mean gosh i don't know how many thousands of people every every year get completely um elective surgery maybe not it it is still body modification it's not it's to probably fit in with society more than to stand out from society right right? but but equally as dangerous uh, i mean if you're getting a nose job or a you know boob job or whatever they still got to put you under general which is dangerous I, I'd say I'd say more so I'd say that that is is more dangerous than anything we see in the photo shoot. Yeah. Scene. Oh, I, oh, yeah. By far, by yeah. far. Yeah. So so judging it by by that metric, you know, um, yeah, I'm totally I'm totally pro body modification. I think it's cool. I think I think people that have tattoos are cool. I'm just I'm just you're just a yeah. You're just a wuss for pain. Yeah. I'm just a wuss. <laughs> so before we move on from the yeah. theory element. Uh, I would like to highlight Lightspeed Magazine has a really great nonfiction article about the art and history of body modification. We probably should have led with this article because they have it broken down into a few different areas. So piercing is the first category. And I think we see an ass ton of that, Uh, either Mm -hmm. piercing the skin to sew something up or, you know, just general piercing. I think we see it. Tattooing. I think there are plenty of people with tattoos. That's certainly the more mainstream of the group. Scarification and branding. I was thinking, I don't, 
I mean, we see some people with scars, but do we see purposeful scarring in this film? Mm, purposeful scarring. Oh yeah. Well, the the rapist. Oh yeah. He yeah. gets. I I I I don't know what it is, but he's got some like kind of branded across his. Yeah. Across his head. Have you have, have you ever have you ever known anybody that's that's had had had? A brain? Uh, yes, a- actually, uh, back in the day, my parents went through this program where they housed minor league baseball players. And so one summer we had a minor league baseball player and part of the ritual of signing onto the team was that you would get your number for the season branded into your arm. Whoa. Yeah. And so and, and like it was the size of a motherfucking beer can. Like it was huge and like it healed over the summer, you know, but it was awful looking. <laughs> I quickly was like, baseball sucks, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to, yeah, totally. I, I I knew a guy that got his uh, his combat patch um, branded in his arm, and uh, yeah, it did not wind up looking good. Did not wind up looking good. The only the only people that I've ever seen that have had um, that have had uh, uh, scarification that looked uh, really good, and I think it's just because they do it uh, a lot at traditionally black colleges, and uh, so I knew I knew two guys that had, and they looked cool. really good. There, the, the, the scars were like, not like, I don't know, man, the, the other ones that I've seen done were just, just gnarly yeah. looking. It's like, it doesn't look like that healed, healed yeah. right, man. Like, what's that supposed to be? Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I think so. there is some really interesting tribal scarification that happens, uh, in some cultures that I think is really interesting to look at. But if you'll see the unsul corollary, that's what, just what we can call this. The unsul corollary to any kind of thing is, does it, like, is it painful? And if the answer is, is it painful, then I'm not going to fucking do it. So that stuff looks really, really painful, and I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. So. Well, the the, the, the corollary I usually work under is that if it looks cool on other people, it's not going to look cool <laughs> Well, that's on me. true. I've seen you. <laughs> Nothing looks cool on you, dude. Uh, so yeah. to get back to light speed. They talk about implanting, and I truthfully, I don't think I've ever met anybody that actually had an, like, um, I, w- I would say an implant outside of, like, you know, maybe, like, lip injections or breast augmentation or maybe butt implants. I don't know. Not, like, real, not like the implants offered in, in American Mary. Uh and then the last, which I think we see a ton of in American Mary, is just what they label hardcore. And this is genital modification. Um, it includes slicing the tongue so that it goes into two and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, But they do point out in the article that body modification has been around for eons and eons and eons and eons. And it certainly isn't a new thing that we are grappling with. Oh, yeah, the- Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I knew. Heck, one of my uncles had a naked lady tattooed on his forearm, and she'd dance if you if he flexed his that, arm. That's not real. Is that real? Yeah, it totally. Was. Shut up. Yeah, For I real? mean, he was he was he he was in the na- he was in the navy back in the day. Yeah. I wish I would have met him. That would be pretty badass. All right, so you want to move on quickly to onto the application. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's get, let's go on to the application. I think we've already we've already done a lot of the application. I think, but you've got two really cool articles here. One is um, 
called Canadian Horror, American Bodies, Corporeal Obsession and Cultural Projection in American Nightmare, American Psycho, and American Mary. Yeah, and it kind of hits on some of the stuff that we talked about earlier in the episode that the Canadian view of American horror is going to be different than the American view, which I found super interesting. And it also makes some uh, cross, uh, you know, some some cross relationships between uh, American Psycho and American Mary. So, you know, for the sake of time and everything else, you can check it out on your own. It's excellent. There is a sight and sound article that deals specifically with the Saska sisters that you should absolutely check out. If you're remotely interested in the type of work that they do and their specific aesthetic, uh, this sight and sound article we'll link to uh, is bonkers in their explanation of what influences them and what's next. I'll have Mike add in one of their pictures from rabid as well, because if you look at one of the set pictures that they've released, it's, it's, Essentially, they've just like removed this person's cheek and all you see is like their teeth and ah, it's it's pretty messed up. So awesome. I like messed up, man. You want to know what else is messed up? What? That asshole that's waving at us across the room. Oh, it's anonymous Amazon user. All right, man. I haven't I haven't read this one. Can I read it? Yeah, do it. American Psych. I mean, Mary starts with. <laughs> a, oh, I see what he did there. I like it. Starts with a med student, surgery classes don't exist, by the way, who gets hired. Well, then how do how, how do surgeons learn shit? <laughs> yeah, like it happens by osmosis. I mean, I'm pretty sure that you take a class and whatever. Here's a scalpel. <laughs> uh, get to work. Right. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Who gets hired at first to be a stripper and then suddenly sewing someone's eye hole shut? Oh, eye hole. <laughs> I'm the eye hole man. I'm the only one that's allowed to have eye holes. Get up out of here with my eye hole. Do you watch Rick and Morty? Yeah, I mean, I have watched some of it, yeah. Okay. And offers about as much explanation for the transition as I did. She gets raped by her teacher eventually and decides to use her body modification surgery for vengeance. This movie's thesis, I think, was to show the seedy world of body transformation and the bizarre kinds of people that seek out said surgeries. What is What it really showed was how narcissistic and shallow they all were. The twins, for example, wanted a bizarre operation, but all the film tells you of their character is, They are weird, lol. Would you think the lull should have been done in the in the in the accent? I don't know. Yeah. Mary was also an appropriate name for our hero because she's a total Mary Sue. She's so very sexy. Every guy wants to get with her. She's a brilliant surgeon that people are are demanding for, and she reacts to every situation like the cool controlled robot that she is. I doubt that was intentional, but Catherine Isabel is so stiff in her role that she just comes off as a goth chick's wish fulfillment. The movie's drive starts with her discovering her dark love of surgery and devolves into a long music video of sex and violence without any meaning or payoff. It's like the Soska sisters were flicking their beans at me for the... Oh, really? I buried it at the end and you said it. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Really? This is... 
this is this is the problem when you just aggregate everybody's reviews together. Everybody's got an opinion, and most of them are dumb. Yeah, oh, 100%. Uh, so a couple of things to unpack about that anonymous Amazon user. Uh, have you heard the term Mary Sue used before? Yeah, Mary Sue is a term that is used uh, usually to deride um, uh, fan fiction. And the Mary Sue is like the stand-in for the author. Like the Mary Sue does everything right. Everybody likes Mary Sue. Mary Sue's always, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And uh, she's she's beautiful. All the characters want to get with her. Uh, everything that she does, she can do awesome for no apparent reason. And it's because it's a stand-in for the for the author. Sure. And, and yeah. as much as it pains me to uh, maybe agree, at least partially, like I get that. There is not a ton of flaws. There aren't a ton of flaws that that uh, American Mary has here. I mean, other than like her rampant, like maybe psychosis towards her rapist, you know, like uh, all of that stuff is is uh, pretty severe. But also at the same time, that guy's terrible and a scumbag. And maybe you feel bad for him, but not really, you know, so. Okay, I felt I felt zero bad for him. Yeah, I felt negative bad for him. Um, I I don't man, I don't I don't I don't buy the Mary Sue thing. Uh, you okay. know, I don't know. I think I, I think I think it's because there's there's a whole lot of things that she's like not very good at. Like she's not good at kind of navigating this whole kind of underground kind of scene. Um, she's not totally confident all the time about what she's going to do. She's kind of got this one skill, which which is surgery, and uh, uh, she kind of relies on it very heavily. I mean, yeah, no, I don't, I don't okay. buy the and, buy the goth and buy the goth chick Mary Sue thing. I, I, if I am remembering correctly, I think she has trouble balancing like her real positive relationship with like her career. You know, like I think you know it's it's a problem many of us have that you get so busy in your job that you neglect the kind of personal part of her life so i i think yeah. workplace balance even when you're doing all kinds of crazy bizarre body modification is uh probably a real thing also anonymous amazon user is totally full of shit i don't think this movie is really anti-body modification by any stretch of the imagination like maybe there's some weird people out there but i think generally speaking uh, it's, it's relatively ambiguous about that. If not positive, I would say that without the photo shoot scene in the middle, I would have some questions about how positive it, it is about body modification and the ultimate, um, like success of it. Right. I mean, okay. we see a lot of people get body modification, but we don't see a lot of people that are happy at the end of the body mo- modification. Right. Like, in theory, like if this was like super pro body modification, it would be like, you know, show the aftermath of like, dude, I got this and it was like totally awesome. And I think that they do do that in that uh, that photo shoot scene. Um, and, and and so I think that I think that it's 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 pro body modification, and that if you uh, just take like a cursory glance at the movie, you would get that kind of. Like, like like we said earlier, kind of, like I said earlier, kind of that, that problem with horror movies when you want to 
introduce an element like this is that, yeah, I mean, your characters are over the top. Like, everybody's crazy. Like, they're going at each, at, at each other with chainsaws, you know, like, like that kind of stuff. It doesn't make anybody, like, look good. And uh, the fact that there's that there's that scene in the middle, I think, was I that I think was 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 brilliant. OK, but that's just me. No. Yeah. All right. So the last thing to unpack with that review, can you explain to us exactly what the anonymous Amazon user meant when he said flicking their beans at the audience? I have no idea, Tyler. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> that means? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to ask her out to figure that one out. <laughs> I'm just I mean, and they and they I'm just super excited I got I got you to read that on an episode so I just cannot believe they let this garbage stay on stay on Amazon. I mean, really? Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, I think I think that a lot of I think a lot of this is like 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 for real. It's just like a lot of people just kind of shouting into the dark about stuff. Oh, right? I'm sure. Like this is a one-star review. On a movie that, believe it or not, like, it's nuts. This movie is, like, I don't know, 50% or something at four or five stars. It's really well-reviewed on Amazon. And there is only, like, one or two pages of one-star reviews. And, like, nobody other than us, right, who have a podcast that search this stuff out is ever gonna fucking read this guy's stuff. So, the fact that he wrote... 200 words on why he hated American Mary is bonkers to me. Somebody needs to pick up a hobby. Uh, may I not recommend podcasting because it'll take over your life. <laughs> Maybe this dude ought to just go flick his bean at somebody. All right, Mike, I think we have uh, officially modified American Mary as much as we can. Um, you have anything else to add? Hey man, I, no, I'm just I'm just glad that some other people out there found the uh, found the link to uh, found kind of the link to American Psycho. Some some of them were very academic. Another one was not, but okay, that's fine. Yeah, it's totally good. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think uh, I think it, this kind of makes me want to get a tattoo. What do you think I should get a tattoo of? <laughs> oh, that question is loaded. Um... Uh, I mean, I can think of a, a handful of things, maybe a hot dog on your neck just cause. So dear listeners out there, if, uh, you've got an idea for a cool horror themed or perhaps Thomas Ligotti themed oh, well done. tattoo, tattoo for me to get, you can get on Facebook and go on over to the horror pod class and uh, just post something on there. Just be like, Mike, dude, you need to get it, totally get a picture of. A tattoo of, I don't know, the showman getting ready to turn around and scare the fuck out of you. I don't know. Uh, so you can get us on over there. I'll put some link, links in the show notes. In the show notes, you can also follow us on Twitter at Signal Horizon or head on over to Facebook and you can like our page and follow our doodads over there. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Or if you've got a super, super, super cool idea for a, uh, for a Thomas Ligotti themed tattoo, just send me an email. It's Mike at SignalHorizon.com. Tyler, where can they find more of your swag? Yeah, they can find more of my stuff. Where can they find where, where can they find you flicking your bean at? <laughs> at Ty Unsel on Twitter. Uh, or you can, uh, as Mike mentioned, uh, get us on Facebook or Twitter 
But here's the deal. Navigate on over to our Patreon page. And if you give $1,000 a month, Mike has has promised, you just heard him, to get a hot dog tattoo on his neck. Uh, and in the hot dog will be your name. Uh, so we'll put a link in the show note. Uh, show notes so that you can give us a little bit of money on the Patreon page. And who knows, Mike will be wearing your name for the rest of time. So uh, in all honesty, if you're like poor teachers like Mike and I are, then uh, we would totally appreciate it if you would uh, go to iTunes, find the Horror Pod class, and then give us a rate and review because it does elevate uh, the number of people that are exposed we love doing what we do, and that's the easiest way to support us. So, All right, buddy, what are we doing next week? We are talking about Old Testament horror and the Dybbuk box. I love it. You've seen that Dybbuk box, haven't you? Uh, the real one, right? I, all right so there Just is, say yes. There, Just say yes. There is an er- Say you got a tattoo of it. <laughs> On my neck. Uh, no, there is a real urban legend story and I will talk about it next week. Um, I, I do absolutely hundred percent know where the real Dybbuk box is. So it is, uh, it resides in my collegiate hometown where I went to school. So stay, uh, stay tuned next week where we talk all things Dybbuk box and urban legends of Kirksville, Missouri. All your Dybbuk boxes and Dybbuk box related apparel will be available next week on the horror pod class until then class dismissed